I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm Mischievous Marchinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals. You know, the way time works around here, Dan, the annuals don't count. Uh, and that's my rule. There you go. Have you seen the, re- the latest solicits, Mark? Not to be that guy, but we have an Amazing Spider-Man annual coming up. And we're getting a Spider-Man annual. So, you know, it's like time is catching back up again uh, uh, in in recent months. So double annuals in the same month. What are you going to do? I look forward to working through my local comic book shop and subscribing to them as the separate series that they are since they are not part of the main series. So there you go. (laughs) Well, my comic shop does the same. So, you know, I I may have to. (laughs) But either way, welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe one annual at a time. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, and in some instances, his past again, and now his future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review to help spread the word about our show. Yeah, our podcast exists purely because of the support of our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep this podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon, where all the episodes of our Season 6 are already going up several weeks early, and reviews of all these issues are up early as well. Plus, we've got a ton of interviews with some of our favorite Spider-Man creators coming in early. Today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 6, number 25. The 25 issues now are like big celebratory issues, but uh, that won't stop them from doing a bunch of extra bonus-sized issues. This issue was written by Zeb Wells. The cover pencils and interior pencils are by John Romita Jr. Inks are by Scott Hanna, colors by Marcia Menez, and the main flashback art at the heart of this issue is from Carr Andrews. And of course, letters are by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue also features a backup story entitled Welcome to Omaha, Spider-Man, with a story by Rainbow Rowell. Art by Alvaro Lopez and lettering again from VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue was first released on May 10th, 2023. Mark, hit me with that sweet, sweet recap. Well, we open up back to the ending of Amazing Spider-Man number 22 with Peter getting pushed by MJ through a portal and Wyatt getting killed off. What happens next 
is MJ's story. Jung Jung. So Paul finishes off Wyep and lets MJ know she did the right thing, while Rabin feels a disturbance in the force, and boy is he pissed. Like Anakin getting his lower half incinerated pissed. So Rabin wants the sacrifice of the Scarlet Woman, and since Wanda isn't around, MJ, you're up. One day later, Paul wants MJ to move from the room. Peter is gone. Paul gets slapped. MJ does a very Peter-esque pose on her knees, holding a Spidey mask. One month later, MJ looks pretty well put together for being in a dystopian universe, and she and Paul are working through symbology. A symbol that looks like a seven leads to MJ getting a distant look and calling it the jackpot. Three months later, and the page with MJ looking like Sarah Connors that was spread all over Twitter a few weeks ago finally makes its real-time debut, while Paul seems to have been working out as well, so there must be a planet fitness in this dystopian timeline too. Paul finally convinces MJ to move on from the house after both get injured by Rabin. A week after that, Paul and MJ are marching through this dystopian hellscape, which leads MJ to quietly wonder, what's the holdup, Tiger? Three months after that, Paul and MJ are going through canned goods and MJ finds baby food, which leads to the next revelation, the children. Owen and Romy, who have been abandoned in another house. One week after that, Paul and MJ are pondering what happened to the parents of these two kids before Paul starts spouting off that their plan doesn't involve children. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? That leads MJ to say she's not leaving without them, and Paul could go if he wants to. Paul is dismayed by MJ's dismissal and says he would never abandon the kids, and that's that. A month after that, MJ, Paul, and the two kids look like something out of a Graham Nash tune. Owen, who keeps talking about the scribble man, and then he asks for a hug, and MJ, she obliges. Three months after that, MJ and Paul are testing out the symbology doohickey, and the two of them appear to have a silhouetted romantic meet-cute moment. Let's put a pin in this, because the key word here is appears. Now we're flash-forwarding seasons and the family is doing family stuff. Paul and MJ are staring longingly at each other. The kids are calling her mommy. They're making pasta until another familiar voice starts talking about the return of the Sunblood. Ooh, yeah! And Rabin has brought his trusty Blade of Decay. Paul brings the kids to the safe room and MJ readies the Symbology Blaster. Paul gets a shot in on Rabin before he gets injured and MJ fires the symbology thingy and it emits a blast of cotton candy. I mean, I think cotton candy is one of the most overrated fun foods too, so who am I to argue? Rabin is offended by such an offensive and is just before he closes in on MJ and Paul, here comes the Sunblood, Peter Parker himself. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, we're reliving the final images of the last issue. Small voice, Rabin getting impaled, Peter getting cucked, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Which brings us back to the real world, and Peter and MJ looking super distant. MJ reminds Peter he was gone almost four years in her time. Peter asks her if Paul and her are an item, and she just mentions me and Paul and Romy and Owen. Okay, then. Peter talks about things that happened like they just happened yesterday because they basically did. And MJ is all, I know, but the internet thinks you're a cuck. 
so I gotta stay with Paul. And the internet is never wrong. Peter leaves the hospital just as MJ gets a doctor talking about Paul having no records before conveniently trailing off. And Peter is greeted by the Fantastic Four, and boy are they pissed about the whole mini-fusion reactor incident. Fisticuffs ensue before Captain America intervenes, reminding everyone that all of this could have been avoided if Peter just asked nicely the first time around. And he's like, Dude, my girlfriend just ditched me because I abandoned her for four years in her universe and you wanted me to wait longer? What kind of cuck do you take me for? I'm just going to keep working it in, man. (laughs) (laughs) Third time's the charm. The power of three, right? Which brings us all the way back to a flashback sequence of Peter reliving the moments from the first few issues, including one where he seems to be taking a swing at Paul when it was written the other way around in in an earlier issue. And Rabin is awakened to kill off the Scarlet Woman. And this obviously means Mary Jane dies in issue number 26 because the internet continues to be right about every single thing that is happening in Amazing Spider-Man right now. So that is the end of our main story, Dan. Uh, How about I, I give you a quick summary of the backup? It's a quick backup, so give me I mean, a quick it's a couple summary. of pages, and in it, Peter and Felicia go to a wedding in Omaha, but Peter leaves the wedding to run down a thief in the middle of nowhere, a la the commuter cometh. He comes back looking like he took a dirt nap, and he misses the lance dance with Felicia, which is My Heart Will Go On, which would make him cry, and uh, that is our backup tale uh, of this double-sized issue. So there, there we are, Dan... Lots to talk about in that backup, I'm sure, but maybe in the main story, too. Do, do you think, since we've been going with the Peter, Paul, and Mary Jane musical thing, we're going to get a last dance with Mary Jane in the next issue, like, just to keep the musical stuff going? I mean, or maybe, they, are they going to dance to, like, Puff the Magic Dragon or something? Or uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, so, you know, there's a lot that happened in this issue, and we're going to do our best to kind of... Um, break it all down but i thought we should start just by talking about like our overall thoughts and reactions to this issue i got to read this almost a week early reasons i won't get into i got to kind of like preempt what i thought the reaction would be so let's talk about our reactions and then we can talk about how the internet responded to this issue uh as well you know just because i do think that the way that this has played out on the internet has seemingly surprised the people making it, uh, you know, as well as I, I think everybody who's been forced to engage on the contents of this issue. So, Mark, I haven't really talked to you much about this issue, you know, in, in the week and a half since I read it. I, I sent a text to you saying like, oh, boy, the Internet's going to melt down on this one that I didn't really know how I felt about it. And I still think I don't really know how I feel about it. And I want to know if you have landed in any particular way. I am in a similar boat as you. I mean, not not having as much of a lead time on it as you. I mean, I, I, I am, as you could probably tell from my recap, like immensely amused by just how wrong the... And when we say the internet, we mean a, a, a specific sect of, of Spider-Man fans online that are just tearing this run apart. And we know who they are. But the thing is, th- those people have been like just so 
consistently wrong about like objective facts that are happening in this comic. And like this, this is just, again, I mean, they're, you know, they're basing criticism based on speculation of what they think is going to happen. And then, you know, we, 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 we get things that, that, you know, are revealed here that, you know, are they swerves? Are they curves? I don't even know if you would call it that because that's the thing. If like what I'm finding in this comic is, and I know you 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 went back and read prior comics after reading this one. Like everything actually checks out, and like there's a steady trail of breadcrumbs um, about what is actually happening here. If you know, if you don't just look at it and immediately leap to, I don't want to say the worst conclusion because it's it's not about bad or good, but it's. You, the conclusions that fans who want to feel like this total rage about this are, are leaping to, I think that's, that's the bottom line here. It's and but at the end of the day where I'm struggling is okay. Like it's kind of shot. The shot and fraud in me is kind of laughing that these people are wrong, but like, I don't know if this is actually enhancing my enjoyment of this storyline. Like, cause like it, there is a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of intricacy here and a lot of like, work and misdirect and unlike you know the the infamous tombstone swerve from earlier in this in this uh not this arc but in this run where i feel like wow i was like legitimately surprised in a in a, in a really like wow comics can be fun kind of a way i don't know if this i don't know if i'm having fun right now i think that's the bottom line like i don't i don't think this is a slog the way some of the you know stories from let's say the nick spencer run more towards the end this is requiring a lot of work and like a lot of like, wait, I, 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 my brain is not allowed to go in the direction it wants to go because those facts don't actually add up in that direction. And now I have to like, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like prolonging. I know we're saying like, oh, well, now we know the mystery box is done. But that's the thing. It's not still in my mind because I feel like there's still pieces left to be out there that's going to tie everything together in this next issue. But I don't know if that's necessarily makes it enjoyable or not. Does that make sense? Am I, am I babbling or am I making some sense here? Totally. You make sense. In, in, and I feel the same way in that, like, I don't know what to grab onto as solid fact here, you know, like reading through, like knowing ostensibly the mystery box having been revealed, what did Peter do? Like, I, I think everything involving our main character has been followed through pretty clearly. You know, there's maybe one moment in this that's not uh, super clear, which we'll talk about. But like on Peter's behalf, like the the character arc here makes total sense. And we watch it come to like its inevitable conclusion in, in this story, which would then set up where we found him back at the start. So I have found really solid enjoyment going back to issue one and rereading it through for all the pieces that involve this particular storyline. It all lines up fairly well. And yet I'm asking myself, is that it? Like, is that, is that all there is here? Like, because if that's the case, we, where we end up at the end of this issue is not really all that stunning. It is exactly as presented back in issue one. I think the bigger thing is like the meta commentary on this, which is like, holy crap, are they actually doing this? Like, are they really moving MJ on from Peter, you know, and how do I feel about that? You know, and I, and I'm asking myself questions like, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this, like, but, 
is this the satisfying or the most satisfying way to do that? And I don't feel like I can answer that question yet because it all kind of lays on the next issue, you know, and, and that's not to punt. It's just, you're right. I think there's a, like, there are key parts of this comic that maybe I'm overreading it, but really seem to be continuing to tell us that we don't know everything yet, you know? And in my reread, that was even further emphasized for me is that there's something else going on here. Whether I'm going to like that or not, I don't know. And whether I like this or not, I don't know. I mean, it is bold, you know, like they must have known that this would spark a reaction of some kind, you know, like this really feels like they are not just like we talked about during the expensive run, touching the third rail. This is like the fourth rail, you know, like this, this is almost like playing with removing MJ from the game altogether, you know, and like touching on one more day was one thing, but, but like doubling down on one more day is something else entirely. And I get why people are reacting to that in the way that they are. Some of it I think is like absolutely valid. I wouldn't say criticism, but a valid reaction to the meta around this book, which is to say like your perceived feelings about what editorial wants and what the writer wants. Are those at war with each other? Are they in league with each other? Are they in league with what fans say they want? There's just a lot of feelings around this. And I think at the end of the day, Mark, I have landed on enjoying the story in the moment and being open to where it takes us. You know, I don't think killing Gwen was what the fans wanted, but like it has resulted in good stories and good writers can make me care about whatever. And Wells has been a good writer thus far. But on this particular issue, this was the first time this storytelling mechanism, the mystery box reveal didn't work for me because this was a flashback inside of a flashback that's not driven by primary forward action and stakes and consequences. We like we're learning about as it goes in the way that the stuff with Peter has prior to this. And so this is the issue where I kind of was like, as much as I think there's some great comics and cartooning here, this was the one where I was like, it felt like they took their foot off the gas. We can talk about the outcomes and the emotional reactions or potential outcomes, you know, all day. I mean, but like at the end of the day, I'm focused on the execution here. And if you can indulge me about in, in kind of comparing pop culture stuff for a second, you know, like when I was in college, one of my, my favorite authors was uh, Chuck Palahniuk, the guy who wrote Fight Club. And the thing is, like, you know, the the, the, the thing that st always stood out to me about Fight Club the first time I, I both read it and then saw it, you know, saw the movie was like this this idea of this whole thing being uh, told by an unreliable narrator, you know, like the main character, he's, you know, many days without sleep. He's, you know, there's there's something not right there. And, you know, like the the swerve of the unreliable narrator was very unique and, and exciting for me at the time. The thing is, the more Chuck Palahniuk that I read, he I, I feel like he kept going back to that well where a lot of his narrators were like these ne'er-do-wells, unreliable people. And like progressively, I got tired of that, that trope, if you will, in terms of storytelling. And I feel like for me, 
this is kind of I feel like frankly like an unreliable narrator because we're 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 still we're seeing things we're seeing things happen on a page but we're still it's still very incomplete like you know we 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 see we see outcomes without the the execution into the why these outcomes are happening and not having those whys we we haven't had the why for since issue 1 of this arc and I don't know if, if if like this was the first time it quote unquote worked for me in terms of the mystery box, but I definitely felt the most tired from it by this point. Like I was just kind of like, all right, like you got you got an issue to figure to figure this out for me. You know what I mean? Like 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 I, I I'm not saying like you got to tell me everything, but like you got to fill in more holes than what you filled in here because it's not it's still not there you know there it, we're, we're still playing with this subversion of fact here and it's just it, it, I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm getting frustrated by it like I like I like this is this is it's starting to get too clever for its own good in my opinion like I I, 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 I I'd like to see you know just some straightforward storytelling here this is happening because this you know like like you know and we could start talking specifically what are what are the gaps but why don't why, why don't we start getting into some of the 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 specific i mean is there anything else from an overall standpoint well i yeah i, I wanted to talk about one more thing um and i i agree with you and 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 i i think that it's tricky to talk about that because like they're perceived gaps on our part but they might not be you know like the, this might be this might be the narrative I would like to extend more credit to Wells and think these are gaps are going to be filled in because in these gaps is the resolution, but that might not be, it's a lot to put on one issue and boy, have we been burned before and we've been burned from saying we've been burned before, before I I do think it's worth us discussing now that the mystery box seems to be over, like how this was told. And I having reread this whole run uh, post this issue coming out, I really feel like I would have rather seen this play out in a linear fashion. I do think the downsides of this outweigh the upsides. Uh, the the upside being, you know, that there's this real mystery, this desire to know what what happens, and the idea that like there's a doomed inevitability that we know is sunk in that leads to tension. You know, like if we know it's not going to work out, you know. It's not Peter fighting for the status quo. It's Peter fighting in a way that we know he's going to lose. And that is interesting as almost like tragedy. You're watching it unfold. I do think that cramming in this time jump stuff with MJ all into this issue kind of detaches the story a little bit from main story. Like imagine if we went straight from, you know, uh, the, you know, the end of, beyond straight into this stuff and MJ was trapped in another universe and Peter, it, we, we see all this stuff playing out with Peter, you know, that we we've been seeing of him trying to get back to her and we get little snippets of her life rapidly speeding up, in, you know, in the meantime, while he's there, maybe every issue of this mini story we've been getting we got a little bit more a page or two of mary jane that would have felt really terrifying you know watching her move on with another person and it's like the inevitability of that you know to me and then have her return them apart and knowing that rabin is in the background and could come back in any moment i just think there's so much tension to be mined there 
that we've largely like passed on for these layered flashbacks. You know, maybe there was a reason schedule wise that it had to work out in the way that it did. Having reread it and reading like even just the scene with um where that we criticize where Peter asks Black Cat out on a date and then falls over as if he it's the first time he's ever asked a woman out. Rereading that in this context felt so different. Like, oh, he's finally getting over uh, Mary Jane allowing himself to get back out there again. That's why he's sick. Not because he's worried about asking a woman out. It's because he's worried about, like, would he be able to move on? Yes, that was on the page there, but you didn't feel it the same way that you did reading the end of this issue. Like, the end of this issue is is devastating. And so all of that context, like, really works to help out those uh, those issues 1 through 20 or whatever. I, I cannot get behind. I, I don't begrudge them. Because I, it's a tough choice, but I cannot get behind the mystery box approach for this. I think it would have been so superior in the alternate route. I have been one of the biggest critics there, there uh, out there of the mystery box, even as someone who has mostly liked this run. But like, I, I can't disagree with a word that you just said there. I mean, it, 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 it's like you said, it's a choice. You can make presumptions why that was the choice. At the end of the day, I don't care. I I, I, I want to like how how are we executing it. I you know like whatever. If Marvel Marvel needs to market how they need to market, and you know people can let their their resentment speak for itself about that. But yeah, I mean like you know, not, and again, not to just like belabor points, but like you know what you said, like oh you know are there gaps to fill? And and I guess what I would what I would argue with that is because of how this story has sequentially unfolded. If indeed we're overreading it or underreading it or whatever, and 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 it is what it is, you know, a cigar is just a cigar. Then I feel like this is poorly executed storytelling because I feel like there there because of you know, well, we're going to do this in this order and this here and this here. The, the we haven't met in the middle yet. You know what I mean? Like the, it, we, we we don't have all the facts. And and if they're not going to give us the facts and it's like, no, we, we, the, the facts are what we told you. That's, you know, Peter's with uh, MJ is with Paul. MJ's with Paul. and She's got kids. And that's more important to her right now. I mean, like I can fill in blanks in my head, but like they haven't given that to me. And I think that's a poor choice because like like these, I you know, these are long, you know, well, MJ is a longstanding character. Her relationship with Peter is a longstanding relationship. I, I need to understand why, like what, 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 what moved the needle in this direction? They have not given us that. They have not. I mean, like, am I, am I missing something? I mean, like they're, they're, we're, we're, we're literally jumping weeks and months and seasons ahead in this story and just seeing, uh, you know, like a, a, a Rocky uh, montage instead of storytelling here, you know? So like, we, we don't know what actually happened with her and Paul. We just know kids show up and now she's not leaving him. So. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I will say before we get into the specifics of MJ's story, um, like, even if you don't like this storytelling, it is in no way an, ex- an excuse for you to do what I've seen a lot of on the internet this week, which is like death threats and hate messages towards the entire spider office, even all the way down to Marcio Menez, who is, as far as I can tell, is just a chill guy in Brazil doing amazing coloring work, you know, and I, Look, I, I I can't claim whether a book is misogynistic or not. Like, I don't feel like it's my place, 
you know, unless it's brutally obvious, but like digging up an old term like Scarlet Woman as some kind of evidence that Zeb Wells is a misogynist that hates women. And he wrote that into the book, into the mouth of the bad guy, I, I think is a stretch. You know, that term Scarlet Woman that we just all throw about all the time, you know, that one we're all familiar with. I mean, maybe, and maybe I'll end up eating these words and the next issue will kill MJ off in some really misogynistic ways where she's cut up in the free in the fridge or whatever. But I just don't get that read from this. Like there's also this commentary and this is where we can get into MJ's story, uh, like about her being saddled with children as a misogynistic thing. And I just don't, I don't buy that either. Anyway, let's talk about MJ. Do you think that this comic did the work necessary to sell this turn of events for MJ? Specifically that like, this is the direction we're taking this character. Um, We're putting her through this and this is the right choice for her. And, And I guess the real question is, could any comic justify taking MJ in this route? You know, putting her with another man, I have no inherent objection to that, but when you've got a character that's as long like lived as MJ and as established as Peter Parker's like firm love interest, can you do that within the page the pages of an issue? Uh, no, I I, this, I think that's a simple answer. No, this this does not this does not pull it off. Nor do I think in one issue anybody can pull that off. I mean, with that said, I mean like. And again, this is like this is such a hard comic to talk about because I'm I'm still making the assumption that you know we don't have all the cards we don't we don't know what's happening and 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 some of this is going to be revealed if not all of it in another issue I don't know how they're gonna fit it in but like I just I, I feel like something's got to be addressed because like for me it's like with MJ's story you know she goes from hoping on Peter's return and, you know, desperately so, like refusing to move herself out of harm's way because she's so desperate to see Peter again to this, this random appearance of baby food, then children to all of a sudden moving on. And it's, it's, it's like, yes, if I, you know, look at this logically being having to take care of children is you know as we're both parents now Dan so we could speak to this I mean granted there there are biological children we are we are led to believe in this instance that they are not MJ's biological children despite the fact that they look like her a little bit but we'll you know that's neither here nor there you know taking care of children a child is like one of the like it, it changes who you are as a person and, and, you know, realigns your priorities and realigns what, what, what you value most in life. That experience, that perspective is doing the work of this comic, but the comic itself is not doing the work. Like, you know what I mean? And, and like, so, and, and that's kind of been the biggest issue so far I've had with the storyline, which is like, we're taking our own projections and experiences and when, both good and bad, you know, the, the, the fans who are complaining are taking their experiences and their projections about what they think editorial wants to do or Zeb Wells personally or whatever. But the fact is, we're taking our own personal experiences and projections and and trying to fill fill in gaps in storytelling here. And um, and only if you do that, can you, in my opinion, can you make the assessment that this comic individual comic sells this turn of events 
if you remove the personal and the projection from it, it's a house of cards and it falls down because it's there's not enough story there to actually sell what's happening. Does that make sense? It does. I'm going to push back a bit because I, I think I was sold on it a little bit more than you were. You know, I do think that we watched the, that arc play out pretty well. I, I, I don't get the kind of magical. Some people are saying like the kind of magical overnight change of mind for Mary Jane. You know, like we see the 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 arc there, which is like they've held out for a while. She put all of her hope in Peter returning you know, they held out, they, you know, they both gotten injured. So they're forced to move on. And as they're moving on, she's wondering like, where are you, Peter? She also like, we don't know that she knows about the time dilation in the way that it is. So, you know, she's waited a year, you know, it makes sense to me that she would have formed a new relationship with Paul, whatever manner of that relationship it is. It's at least one of partnership of constantly fighting against the elements, which would bond anyone together and then finding two children and choosing not to abandon them, you know, especially given MJ's history, you know, with, uh, you know, abandoning what she feels is like her cardinal sin of abandoning Gail and, and her kids, you know, like that scene with Paul and MJ talking about the kids, uh, I thought worked really well. Like I, emotionally I was there with her. Like we can't leave these kids behind, you know? And, uh, uh, to me, that's the thing is like, as much as I'm like unclear on why this plot, why now I think all the characters act very in character for who they are. Like I buy that MJ would do all of this, you know, uh, you know, that she would bond with these kids. And I do think it's a perfectly well executed montage in the style of like, even say like the opening of up where it, it makes you care about someone in two minutes before killing them off. Like I, I understood this family unit to some degree. Now there is some caginess around it, you know, and the specifics of like MJ and Paul's relationship, but I guess I don't, I don't, I thought like it was a really solid bit of cartooning like, but, but could an issue ever convince me of Mary Jane changing her life overnight like that? No. Cause I don't think any, Spider-Man comic has ever tried to change a major character so dramatically in this few pages. So like, I, I just have an inherent skepticism about it, despite the quality of cartooning on the page. Uh, at least that's my defense of it as light as that defense might be. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I still think that even in your description of that, you're, 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 you're taking experience and projection and, 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 and kind of coming to conclusions like, yeah, well, you know, we didn't know, you know, she didn't know that time moved differently. So I can see her moving on. Yeah, I can see her moving on, but we don't, I, I don't know. I don't feel the comic does the work and, and, and it's because of the mechanism of how this story is being told. I don't think the comic does the work to, to show her actually moving on. You know what I mean? Like, like that. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, like if, if this, com if this comic line ever needed an amazing Mary Jane comic, it was the, this, like I would read five issues of Mary Jane and Paul bonding in another universe, uh, fighting off, you know, giant, uh, rat symbols, you know, with Eagle guns. Great. G give me that. Instead, we got black cat and Mary Jane fighting through limbo. Like, give me that. But, but, you know, I think you and I can both guess the reason why we didn't get that, which is there's still another card to play and really diving any deeper into this would reveal 
the like facade that is being put over our eyes, or at least we're presuming it's being put over our eyes. And 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 it goes back to the initial criticism of this issue, which is the mystery box. You know, like we're all 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 roads go back to the mystery box. So um, yeah, I, I it just it. I mean, you might you 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 sort of address this in in what you were saying before, but like, what what do you think is what what is up with this very sharp shift that coincides exactly with the children appearing? I think either in a text to me or on Twitter or something you had, you had said to the fact that like she does she nary mentions Peter's name again in this comic once the children show up. What 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 is so? What do you think is happening here? Well, you know, I was kind of leaning into my theory that I think I discussed last episode about like the children being symbols in some way. I still think that that's accurate. Like we, there's an image with uh, uh, Rabin, like talking about the chains on Mary Jane and drawing these two like symbols next to each other. And then, you know, the subsequent scene is MJ discovering the kids you know, there's been a lot of talk about that being a sort of misogynistic thing. But like if if the kids are I mean, last episode, I discussed them as maybe like a symbolic projection of MJ's love for Peter. You know, it could be that they are a projection of like MJ's own worst fears in regards to like Gail and all of that stuff or just kid versions of Paul and MJ that they're made to care for to slow them down or whatever it is, you know, or like a projection of domesticity, which, you know, if you remember early MJ, that was like one of her fears is like getting settled down and, and, and finding herself in the same position that her sister Gail was, was, was put in. But I do think like the, the book wants us to make that connection, you know, loosely, like, I don't think they want us to get too far ahead on it. They want us to think they're real, but I think the implication is there that there's whatever Rabin is drawing in the sand has conjured forth these kids in in, in some way. Is that your read, Mark? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, it, 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 certainly, it 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 don't it, it don't make much sense for just kids to appear out of thin air. Um, and and you know, there was no. I mean. Besides Paul, there was, I mean, that's, I mean, and that, that's the other mystery that all goes back here is, you know, like, you know, who, who is the other, like, how did you get here person and all this? It's Paul. So like, what, what, what is, what is, what is being created here and, and what does it mean? And, and, you know, Paul doesn't have medical records. So, you know, there's your, there's your red flag right there as well. That theory about Rabin creating it is as good as, or Wyatt, or, I mean, like it, it all tracks but we don't know i i you know, like i i i i you know like i and i'm not trying to play the oh, i don't want to speculate but like i i i also feel like i've you know i mean i'm always wrong i feel one way or another when it comes to trying to predict what is actually happening in, in some of these comics but i feel like i'm really wrong when it comes to these zeb wells comics right now so i i i i would i will just say yeah that makes sense but we'll see uh, I, I'm I'm less interested in the like I mean like of course I am interested in the what are they who are they you know that whole thing but I'm I'm counting on finding out next issue like I I just think that's what 26's big reveal is is like who is Paul and these kids you know and like what is what has Mary Jane been keeping secret about them in some regard and we'll talk about that in a moment I'm more interested right now in like 
thematically, you know, like who are these people? The question is why do it in this manner? Like, like, like what is it about like YEP and, and Rabin and all of this that like, you know, that Deb Wells is writing about, you know, like it, it seems pretty random you know, like, but also with great design so that there, there was care behind it. And like the things that I think about thematically are like the, what it feels like to move on from someone else and then reconnect with them later. We had talked about like the kind of like meeting up with your ex somewhere down the line and like how the relationship, you know, isn't always mutually split off, you know, but I, I, that's something I'm always keeping in the back of my mind is like, what does Zeb want to say about these characters to put them through all this? And right now I'm not able to connect that entirely in a satisfying way. And I'm hoping that 26 does. And it doesn't just end up being like, well, we put them through a gauntlet because we wanted to put them through a gauntlet. And so far, I think, well, Zeb Wells has done a great job of actually having thematic statements at the heart of most of his stories you know, I'm hoping for the same here, but like, it's hard to really say one way or the other, because right now it does feel very loose and kind of random. Let's talk about MJ and Paul and whatever this relationship is, because, you know, we, 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 you know, as I, as I alluded to uh, numerous times in my recap, I mean, you know, we've heard everything from, you know, Peter the cuck to, uh, yeah, like, you know, you know, MJ is left Peter for for pause has had you know like look like say what you will I mean there is clearly a bond there between these two characters but like we we don't see we never witness on the page actual intimacy here you know we we see like them staring at each other we see like silhouettes of them kind of close to each other, but they're never physically touching. They're never holding hands. They're never kissing. They're never holding each other. You know, MJ, MJ, MJ hugs uh, Owen. Like that's a moment of intimacy, if you will. Not like romantic intimacy, but physical intimacy. But like to me, again, it's a, it's a red flag about not only just the, the presumptions of the angry internet mob, but also just like, what, what are we actually witnessing here uh, between these two characters? I mean, do, do, do you feel that's an accurate read or did you get something more potent out of this relationship than I, than I did? Well, I mean, it's hard to prove a negative, you know, like when the, like the text is telling, is trying to convince you that they are together or they have like a meet cute but it's the it's the details in between that seems sketchy, like like, you know, they're they're building the device together and they have like the kind of like quintessential meet cute where, you know, someone's hand slips and touches the other one's hand. But we don't see the resolution of the scene like they get cut off. Right. Like they're like MJ, I dot dot dot. And then we move on. Now, that could be like a MJ, I am falling for you. Or like MJ, I need to tell you something or I'm gay or whatever, you know, like there's so many different ways that could go. And then then we get like um, Paul in bed looking very sad with MJ in silhouette in the doorway. And he says, like, I should have told you dot, dot, dot. And of course, like the worst people on the Internet are like, oh, like the the dickless Paul, like he's a 
you know, he's whatever, you know, like, but that's, there's something there. There's some secret that he, you know, whether it's that he's gay or he isn't a real person or he knew about the time dilation and didn't tell her, like, there's so many things. Maybe he was like, like the nature of Rabin's relationship with him was that they were once lovers. I mean, there's so many things you, it's, it's an infinite number of possibilities. Uh, but for me, the key image that doesn't sell me on their relationship is at the bottom of that same page where they're both laying on the ground and like fall with each other and staring at each other. And they both have these very blank faces and as if there's no connection there at all. Like, or there's like a distance. They're on opposite sides of the panel from each other. Look, if you wanted to tell me that these two were a loving couple, you would replace that image with them laying together on a blanket with their arms around each other or kissing or anything. But to me, that silent image just speaks so much volumes that this is not as it's presented. And sometimes we should just read the images like Carr Andrews and John Romita Jr. are masters at their craft. If they're trying to communicate something, they're going to communicate it very plainly, but the writer is letting them kind of like silently do it and maybe testing how good of readers we are. I I, I don't know if if anything that I'm saying is how you read it, Mark, um, because like it definitely took me multiple reads to go, wait a minute, what is really happening here? Yeah, well, I mean, to me, yeah, I mean, those are all good moments to point out. I mean, the other moment, I mean, was right towards the very, very end and that very devastating scene with Peter and MJ where he goes, you and Paul? And her response is, yes, me and Paul, period, and Romy and Owen. And it's, I don't know, like, maybe this is an overread, but like everything has seemed so intentional in this comic to this point, like why, like why not just be like, yeah, we're together, you know, like what did yeah, you, yeah. Or I, I love him. Like, like you, you could be so much more specific and you know, it's the kind of thing to like where you, if you're a comic writer and you don't want to box in Mary Jane to be in this comic uh, relationship forever, you leave like a back door for someone to come and be like, no, she never said she loved him. But like, that does not seem like Wells would, would build in a backdoor in this way. Like it, he's just been so intentional in everything that he's done. Even the, the issues we haven't loved, like he was taking a swing and going a direction and we maybe didn't like it. This is definitely a swing. And I just don't get the sense that he would play this loosely with, with the pieces in this way. So yeah, that's a really important moment. And, and I'll, and I'll use it to point out in amazing Spider-Man number seven on my reread, there's a moment where Peter apologizes to MJ when they bump into each other at Oscorp about how he's been acting, you know, presumably that he's been calling her, stalking her, you know, whatever. And she says, quote, to tell you the truth, dot, 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 end quote. And then Paul cuts her off and she's about to say something like whether it be like, it's actually nice to see you again or whatever, you know, they would, they would become more warm to each other in that dark web issue. But like it's set up as if there's some tension or mystery that we're not getting about the nature of her Paul and her family. 
you know, later Peter suggests MJ loves Paul in the um, issue nine in the uh, Hellfire Gala issue. And she, again, doesn't confirm it like she just didn't hear in this issue. She just says, damn it, Peter, this isn't about you. It's about responsibility. And that doesn't sound like the answer from someone who's legitimately in love with this other person. I'm not convinced that there is a romantic relationship here. Earlier, is there a bond? I mean, that seems to be true, but what is a bond? I mean, like, you know, Dan, you and I are bonded, but we're not romantically involved, despite uh, what maybe some people on Twitter might think. I don't know. Or our wives. So I, I, I yeah, I, <laughs> Is this, I'm not getting clearer, more clarity from this conversation so far, Dan. Do we want to take a quick break and talk about the Slack? Sure. Go ahead, Mark. Well, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join. You can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Dan, what has been going on in the Slack this week? Well, Mark, this week, as all weeks, has been awesome in the Slack. Uh, but I think we broke our all-time record, which, um, you know, based on the conversation, Mark, you and I have been having, uh, probably makes sense. The spoiler thread just for this issue crested over 900 comments uh, in just a couple days. If you, if you want to read a small novel uh, about this issue of people just going... What are we? What are we actually seeing here? What did we think about this issue? Our big joke was: Can we get more comments on that thread than there are issues of Amazing Spider-Man? <laughs> and we've just about done it, or maybe by now we already have had done it. Um, but here's the real kicker, Mark. Guess what? All of them were respectful, calm, and fun, no matter how we felt about it. You loved it. You hated it. That's the great thing about the fact. I know for a fact nowhere else on the internet is offering that. So if you're looking for a place to have a calm peace of mind, like it, hate it, whatever, come join the fun in the Slack. It's amazing. It's Spider. It's Slack. It's the amazing Spider Slack. There's a link in the description of this episode that will let you sign up in less than a minute. We hope to see you there. It's probably the healthiest Spider-Man community on the internet. So... At least until next issue. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. So come join us in the Slack. All right. And just thinking about having to read through 900 comments. I mean, I know I've been on the Slack more than I have been in the past, Dan. But woof, that's a lot of comments to read through, especially especially 900 <laughs> comments of speculation. Like, ah, my brain, everything's on fire. No. Um. <laughs> well, let's talk about the ending of this issue, which gets us back to John Romita Jr.'s artwork. You know, I thought that transition was handled pretty well. I know some people had a beef about the reprinting of pages. As uh, Nick Lowe pointed out, actually, in response to an email from one of uh, our listeners who emailed him and got a response from him, the in terms of page count, those pages were kind of free given the cost of the issue. They threw them in there and didn't charge extra for them. I mean, whether you liked it as a storytelling thing, I thought it bridged the gap pretty well. I don't know how you feel about it, Mark, but having MJ's kind of narration over that brought me back into John Romita Jr.'s art, and I thought a pretty artful way. 
I didn't mind it um, all that much uh, in terms of uh, the, the artwork. I mean, it was a little repetitive, but I, I didn't realize they were quote unquote free free comics. So I, you know, I guess that's that works. You know, the, the, this ending though, I mean, like it's it's utterly devastating, and like you said, like this is this is to be perceived as a major loss for Peter. You know, on the level of you know Gwen getting thrown off a bridge and. You know, or Uncle Ben dying. I mean, like this is like you know he this he's broken at the end of this, and 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 not only is he broken, you know the the consequences that were you know pretty pretty clear since the beginning of this of this run. I mean, like we now understand the full extent of the consequences with his friends and family, and 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 uh, you know, which is frankly part of the reason why like you know people jump into the conclusion that MJ is going to die in this next comic, which I mean is a possibility. I'm not dismissing it, but it's like hey, like. We're Peter's already at his lowest point here, you know, like, I mean, like if they're going to go, you know, if they're going to do something like that, I mean, like we're going to go, we're going to go subterranean here. This, this, I'm assuming it impacted you as much. I mean, you said as much earlier in in this, in this episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it would be hard for me to think of many Spider-Man comics with the ending as devastating as this. I think it like it already packed a punch. I think it could have packed even more of a punch if it played out in like real time. You know, I don't know how much we would have believed it necessarily, you know, like and maybe that's the advantage of doing this out of order is that like we know, oh no, this actually sticks. Like this isn't just some cliffhanger ending. Like this is a for real status quo, you know, for a while for this character. Whether that's undone in 26 is beyond my ability to prognosticate. It felt painful here. Uh, and I can't imagine, you know, what it would have felt like reading it if this was told linearly. But like, e- even then, like, you know, th- I-, I think there's very clear, uh, not only like uh, thematic uh, similarities to Amazing Fantasy 15's ending and the and the feeling of loss, but also visual similarities. Um there's an image at the end of Peter crouched over with the kind of railings of, I'm guessing it's like Central Park or something, like angled towards him with these two globes of light over him. And I think the parallel to the ending, the final panel of Amazing Fantasy 15 with the angled buildings of New York pointing towards him and the lone moon hanging over his head. Like I, I tweeted about this and I'm sure Alex will put a uh, an image of it in the video version, I, as soon as I read the page, I was like amazing fantasy 15. And it was a real gut punch that, that line, I wasn't fast enough. You can feel it. And then him like provoking a fight with the fantastic four and, and suggesting like, I want someone to hit me back, give me more pain, you know? Oh man. I one it felt very in character for Peter to, to want to kind of like feel the heapings of pain on him but yeah, I just thought it was a really powerful ending to this comic. Yeah, and like so much of the these last few issues, like you, you know, you reiterated about you know, kind of going back and rereading. I mean, like you know, it makes the you know, before while while you were still on paternity leave, you know, Al and I were talking about you know, depressed Peter and like what a what a turn of events that was for from a storytelling standpoint. But like now, it 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 makes those issues all the more poignant and, and, and frankly makes them make more sense. Um, you know, like, not that I, you know, I, I made the assumption, oh, wow. Like, you know, 
whatever he did, whatever happened was really bad. Well, now we know. I wasn't fast enough. I mean, like, for whatever reason, my brain went uh, immediately to, I, I know the visuals were Amazing Fantasy 15, but th- that line made me go to Gwen Stacy's death. I, I, I just felt like, you know, like, you know, like he did, he did everything in his power and it wasn't, it wasn't good enough, which is like, you know, for Peter, you, you know, like with great power must also come great responsibility, except, you know, he, 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 he still couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like he did it. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, we'll see. Well, th- that, that's the thing to me, the, but is it, it is a tough pill to swallow. And I know they're like teasing some big death next issue and, there's that Marvel comic we haven't seen the cover of called Fallen Friend that has red font on it and it comes out the same or it, it the the text for it is going to be revealed the same day as the release of the next issue. So like they really are leaning into telling us that MJ is going to die. Even the darkest issues of Spider-Man, I feel like there is a bright spot in them, you know? Maybe maybe not the night Gwen Stacy died, although I think the kind of moment at the end with MJ where she comes back to console him is a sort of like, I don't know if I would call it a bright spot, but it is an idea that like healing will occur, you know? And to me, like you said, this feels like the lowest point. Killing off MJ just feels like, I mean, maybe it'll be done really artfully if it is done. Like it feels like absolute misery. So I don't know if I buy it yet that that's the direction they're going to go, but we're going to find out. I, I reserve judgment until I see the execution of it. But like after this, in, in light of this moment, I have a hard time seeing this comic coming back tonally to a place of enjoyment. If that's the direction they want to go, I I, I got I, I, you know, I, you know, We'll reserve final judgment until we see how it goes. But that, but, but, but for that reason alone, I don't like you. I don't buy that per se. I mean, it's it's still the the realm of possibilities. You know, I I I have noticed in the Slack all the speculation about fallen friend, and I, you know, it it could very well be Spider Man related. I doesn't necessarily. I, I this is going to come across sounding in bad form, but like. Does Mary Jane's death necessitate its own miniseries following it? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's this is not like ultimate Peter dying and having, you know, ultimate fallout. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. I don't know. Like, well, I mean, the fallen friend is a one shot. But today and again, not to get solicity today, a solicit released for a classified four issue series that has red font and will not be revealed. So like, I mean, honestly, if if I had to put my money down, like I think we get MJ becomes a superhero, you know, jackpot. And she's got that device and we've got the triple skulls here. And there's some consequence with that, but becomes her origin story. And they want to make MJ a superhero. Like if, I mean, that might be cynical in its own way, you know, but like, it, like if I had to put money down, I don't think that that I don't think her death is like like we're going to get a flat death of MJ a la Gwen Stacy coming up. And I, look, I'll be willing to eat another shoe. The same the other pair in, in, the, in the shoes that I promised Dan Slott I'd eat if Spider-Boy didn't turn out to be a, the spider that bit Peter man or, or Peter with 
that became Spider-Man becoming a human boy. Uh, anyway, that's all, that's all the way down the Twitter rabbit hole. Uh, you know, speculations aside, like this is a miserable end of this comic in a way that I think is very fitting for Spider-Man comics. Like I, I don't feel bad about this at all. Like this is part of the arc of Peter. And the question is, you know, we're watching him pick himself back up, you know, try to dating again, you know, trying to rebuild his relationship with Aunt May. You know, we're kind of already seeing the upswing here. What's it going to be like to go from pain to more pain without like, you know, we're, we're going to read this time jump in the pages, right? We're going to go back to the future, even more to the future confrontation with Rabin. Was it, is it wrong to have done this non-linearly so that whatever tragedy is going to befall them in 26 happens immediately after this tragedy? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. what do you think about the art here? Obviously this is split in half by Carr Andrews and, and JRJR. what do you think of uh, Carr Andrews art? You know, famously of Spider-Man Rain, a book I really like and really like the art for, uh, and you've not, you've historically not been a fan of, um, but I'm not really sure that we talked much about the art there, uh, so to speak. Yeah. I, so uh, to me, it's a mixed bag. I mean, like I, there was some very stylized and, and, and 90s-esque stuff throughout this comic that I enjoyed. I do. I. I mean. I. I gotta put this out there, and not to not to echo some of the 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 mouthiest critics of this comic book right now, but like some of that art with you know Buff MJ and Paul was just absurd to me. Like like <laughs> like like it, like it made no sense. Like I mean like like and and the fact that when they came back to I don't want to say Earth, but the main timeline or whatever, like you know they went they reverted back to you know being. Um, you know, normal proportioned humans. It took me out of it. There were there were there were several panels in that story that just took me way out because of how crazy the art was in it. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, like there there is an image where they're building that device where Paul just looks like the most roided up man on on planet Earth. In in which case, I would totally get why MJ would have moved on. <laughs> uh, like the dude is huge. Yeah, especially given the Paul that we know is kind of like this kind of skinny scientist guy. I mean, I get that they would bulk up when they were living like Rambo um, and maybe get thinner again when they felt safe, but it is, it is hyper stylized. I like car Andrews cartooning um, a lot. Like I think he creates really great layouts and emotional pages and he knows how to really tell a story on the page. I love the little details like, the Spider-Man costume that's around MJ's arm, meaning that she's still kind of holding out for hope for Peter. But you're right; it is it is silly in many ways, almost like a like a like a fantasy uh, of some court sort. So I was very happy to see JRJR come back for the end, where I thought he was really in his best form. The MJ and Peter in the the hospital. I've seen criticized online. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is such a wonderfully understated scene of these two people being a bit emotionally guarded around each other. I, I, I thought it was really quietly devastating. I, I, I hate to be this way, but like I, I, I the, the return to JRJR was probably my favorite part visually of the comic. I mean, like, yeah, I, 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 I there was, there were some fun bits earlier, but like, yeah, it's just, it's just too much that was taking me out of it. You know, even the repetitive bits, although there was one 
um, flashback of a flashback of a flashback of Peter punching Paul. And in the original scene, you know, I mentioned this in the recap, and I know you've talked a bunch about this already. You know, it was Paul punching Peter. Say that three times fast. What do you think that was? Is that a mistake or is this more intentionality? Uh, any, any, anything from the rumor mill from you on that? Well, it's been a big speculation on the slack. I, I don't think it's a mistake if only because JRJR is homaging himself, you know, like, so like he would have to have gone back to that original image and, you know, chosen to replicate it in some way. You know, so and it's weird because the style of their dress flips like in one Peter is very casual and, tor- you know, and like falling apart. And Paul is dressed up in the original. And in this one, it's Peter like like dressed up, like looking nice and Paul looking like a slob. So it is really weird. I'm trying not to overread it. Like if I were just reading it on the page as I did. To me, it suggested that there were multiple altercations between Peter and Paul during the six month time, you know, of Peter stalking MJ and the original one, like Paul is shouting enough, like me, like and the suggestion there being like that Peter has done this multiple times. So it could just be that, um, you know, it's a suggestion of. You know, we know Peter's kind of stalking MJ and isn't able to really let it go in his depression and that Paul kind and and Peter got into it several times before, but it is still so weird to choose to do that because it's unclear from a storytelling perspective and MJ goes from kind of being defensive of like Paul to defensive of Peter in the different situations, which maybe is worth noting that her like allegiance isn't a hundred percent clear. I don't know, Mark, do you think it's worth rumor milling about this? <laughs> You're asking me if I want to rumor mill. Uh, have you, have you learned nothing in 10 years, Dan? I mean, uh, <laughs> You I mean you you brought it up? I mean, it is odd. It I don't think odd. it's a mistake. I, I, I w- w- what it means and wh- whether or not we'll get answers that I don't have uh, that I'm not going to guess. But I don't think it's a mistake. That's all I'll say about it. So, so just as a, a quick final button on this before we get to grades, I wanted to ask you. You know, we and we talked a lot about obviously in our intro the mystery box and the the effectiveness of it, but like when when you got uh, your 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 uh, sneak peek at this comic, you know the 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 first thing you texted, well the second thing you texted me, the first thing you texted me was like, wow, the internet's going to be angry, but they've been also so wrong about so much in this comic, and I was like, okay, but you you refer to this comic as Schrodinger's comic. Yeah. Now, do, do, do you want to first define uh, who Schrodinger is uh, for those who are not like super nerds or, you know, I think there's a Big Bang Theory. Yeah, episode. well, Schrodinger, you, you know, a scientist, you know, I think I think uh, like associated with like quantum theory, you know, the the idea that like he puts his cat in a box when he opens the box or before he opens the box, the cat is both simultaneously dead and alive because he doesn't know like uh, the, the fate of the cat. And when you open the box is when you find out whether it's dead or alive to me, reading this issue, this, I felt like 
this issue could very well have been where all of the wheels fell off the cart or the cat was discovered to be dead. But we, we don't know, like the cat may have died in this issue, but we won't know until the next issue, which is to say, like, I think there's a lot of good stuff in this issue, but I, I'm beginning, this is the first time I've really questioned whether or not this was like worth it. And I said all along, like I was going to wait for this story to play out to really like see whether it was worth it. And here I got super nervous because we got one short comic left to wrap all this up. And man, are there a lot of dangling questions and boy, have we been in this situation before I won't say whether I feel like the cat is dead or alive because I truly don't know. It's really going to come down to opening that box next issue and finding out. Do we want to give it a grade? You want me to go first? Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, we're, we'll skip over the backup. I think we've been talking long enough. It was a fine backup story. I felt a little tone deaf editorially to include it in this particular or maybe issue. intentionally so. All right. This is, I'm going to give this comic a C plus. That's funny. That's exactly what All I right, was going to give it. <laughs> You're just saying that because I said it. I mean, look, look I, I enjoyed this comic. But yeah, there there are so many questions and like you, it's like, is the cat dead or alive? And I don't know. And I, it, 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 if this cat is indeed dead, like it, it, I can't in good conscience give it higher than that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I would love to read 26 and be like, that was an A and this arc is an all timer. But like, you know. I, I, I think probably the last time I was in this scenario was uh, Superior um, 30. And I was quite high on it and you weren't because I wasn't seeing the Schrodinger's cat of it all, in my opinion. Because uh, I was like, no, th- this is all, trust me, like next issue, it's going to just make it all make sense. And I was like, oh, wait, no, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> fool me once. Um, and I'm not saying I'm expecting to be, you know, proven wrong here, but like, yeah, like let's, let's, I like, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, that's my explanation. I mean, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. I remember issues four and five of this run and boy, did they pull a trickaroo on me and prove Zeb was really in control this whole time. And we got it. We got a JRJR issue coming up next. Like all of that artistic combination to me has been nothing but like absolute fire. You know, I do want to say just to, you know, you use the expression Zeb Wells was in control. And I know you meant just in terms of telling, telling the story. I, I want to put out there. I don't know why I feel obligated to say this, but like I am, I am a firm belief that Zeb Wells is driving this car all the way to the finish right now. I do not feel like that there is anything about these last five issues and the, and the six to come that is being driven by editorial or other outside factors. Like Zeb is telling the story he wants to tell. Like, so this is all on him. In my opinion, I, I, I just want to, like, you, do you share in that? I do not feel the hand of editorial on, on this comic. I can't really articulate why, you know, like, because like, I think if I divorce myself in terms of one more day of like where I knew that comic was going before it came out, 
that would not have felt necessarily editorially driven until maybe the final issue of it. It did feel until the appearance of Mephisto, I think, uh, as like a magical MacGuffin, it did feel like a logical conclusion for where that story was going, given the death of Aunt May and Peter's desperation and all of that stuff. And even still, like, you know, I know we have a bit controversial opinions on One More Day, which is like, I think it's a good story with no ending. Like, it, it it's a story that's waiting for a redemptive arc. And I really thought Nick Spencer's was going to be that after all the years. And, and before that omit and, and so on, like, so I don't know, like, but I don't, it feels so weird after Nick Spencer's run that like to say that editorial would want to break these two up forever after doing that run. But maybe this is the only way they feel they can dodge the, the engagement ring of it all, you know, like we, we, we introduced the engagement ring. So like, how do we get ourselves out of that pickle? We got to get rid of MJ forever. To me, that's just a weird choice to allow that to happen to then have to double down this way. I don't feel, for whatever reason, I agree with you, I don't feel like editorials being like, Zeb, you must do X, Y, and Z with these characters. But maybe it's also because I haven't accepted that in my head that I truly believe that that's where we're going. Like, like there's a part of me that thinks I'm going to open the next issue and read it and go, wait a minute, they were actually doing this the whole time. Even if the, this is happens, I, I, I like to me, I feel like Zeb's telling the story like like the, nothing, nothing about how this story has unfurled for better and for worse feels like it's being inorganically forced. Like this story is being told at a pace that a writer wants to tell it. Like I, I it's just my it, I, I feel it in my guts and bones. I don't you know, maybe like you, I can't put my finger exactly on it, but like it's not to say I'm going to like it. Or that I feel it's going to be earned, but like I think for the first time in a in a in a while, and I know like I'm I'm sometimes the biggest devil's advocate when it comes to the Nick Spencer run about editorial. Well, you know we haven't heard confirmation, but like there were things about that that felt like things were being forced, and and maybe not necessarily willingly on on Nick Spencer, not necessarily you know, MJ and Peter related it just in terms of the pacing and, and, the and, and how things were unfurling. I don't get that sense here. I think like Nick is, uh, Zeb is telling his story. So if there's anything that feels forced, it feels editorially forced from an art perspective, which is to say, we need to, ju- you know, juggle this book around JRJR's availability, you know, like, would I have liked more issues filling in the gap like of the six months, you know, and Peter fighting Paul and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff I would have loved to have seen more of on the page and maybe we'll get it in 26. But like the thing that I think has made this uneven, if anything in the run, or maybe it's been paced in the way that it has is I think they're trying to give J.R. J.R. the ability to draw the big moments of this story. So they're pacing it accordingly. And that gets down to the twice shipping thing, which again, I think is even above Nick Lowe's pay grade. Like, I think that's just the place that ASM is at now because it's such an important book in the Marvel lineup in terms of making money and making comics profitable. To me, that's the only thing that feels artificial here. And for the most part, like they pulled it off. JRJR's implementation here has been wonderful. Well, people will buy it no matter what, Dan. <laughs> okay, so C plus from both of us. You know, no surprise we agree on something. Which is to say, like, I'm not sure how I feel about this comic, 
but I enjoyed a lot of elements of it. All right. Well, Dan, on that note, it's that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this podcast exists because of listener support on Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews the same weeks the comics release, exclusive artwork, and a ton of other bonuses. So a thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. Plus, we wanted to issue a special thank you and welcome our newest patrons, Patrick Claren, Cowboy Lansky, and Will Hohenstein, and a special thanks to Jeff Markovics for upping his membership tier. And I'll say for sending me a comic in the mail. Uh, thank you, Jeff. That was very kind of you. Oh, yeah. Was it the negative one issue uh, that you were missing? Or no? <laughs> no, no. It was the free comic book day uh, Spider-Man 2 Gamerverse issue that no nobody could that's find. A hot, that's so, a hot comic. So, uh, you know. You it, can, it is. You use yeah. That, so that was very you, kind you of use Jeff. You to trade in for... Um, a negative one amazing spider-man for sure uh and never okay. mark okay. never well also to download our earliest episodes including interviews with legendary creators like jm demateus tom defalco ron friends mark bagley and many many more subscribe to our amazing spider talk back issues podcast on apple podcasts this podcast was edited by rick coast the video version of the show is available on youtube and i highly recommend everybody check it out because it's awesome well, and it was edited by Alex Galucky. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, Ray Sumzer, Josh Sutton, and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider-Madge, and our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. So, Mark, until we find two kids in your backyard shed and raise them to take over this podcast from us, what are I mean, we gonna find like a thing of baby food first before they show up, or um, anyway? Is that how you lured them in there, uh, Mark? Yes. <laughs> let's let's get let's get the internet on me luring children into a place now, Dan. That's perfect. I will say, with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't don't miss the next. In-